When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Welcome to Inside Mizzou Athletics, presented by Shelter Insurance. Find an agent for your auto, home, and life at shelterinsurance.com. Now, here's Matt Michaels and Brad Trinago. Hello and welcome. It is another rousing edition of the Inside Mizzou Athletics podcast. I am Matt Michaels. Hello, Brad Trinago. Hey, welcome back to Como. Yeah, hope everybody didn't get completely dissuaded by uh, the technical gremlins from the road last week. Uh, mm. This might sound a little bit better, but then again, we're on the podcast. <laughs> so, you know, if you've stuck with us so far, I guess you're used to it. At, at this point, I mean, we do have a, a pretty, uh, I would say, a perfect guest coming up. So that might be some incentive to keep listening. I would agree with that. As a reminder, the podcast is always powered by Shelter Insurance. Recently ranked highest in customer satisfaction among auto insurers in the central region. Four out of five years by J.D. Power, Shelter Insurance. We're your shield. We're your shelter. It's also powered by Socket Fiber, the fastest, most reliable internet. They're heading all over the place, including my neighborhood. You can call Socket at 1-800-SOCKET-3 or visit socket.net. Yes, uh, a perfect guest makes sense, and it has has been a pretty good run in the past eight to nine days for Mizzou Gymnastics and the sophomore hailing from the Garden State of New Jersey who put together that perfect 10 vault just a couple of meets ago. Jocelyn Moore is our guest this week on the podcast. Jocelyn, first of all, congratulations to you 
and your team, and I don't know how to handle myself in in the presence of perfection. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be very deferent to that, but it's great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, we'll certainly go a lot more into that perfect 10 against Auburn, but I wanted to ask first about the most recent meet for your team against Arkansas last Friday, a 197.85 team score. That's a program record. Program record for the team on the bars and the beam, too, against the Razorbacks on the road, by the way. So what was clicking for everyone, you think, during that meet? Honestly, we were just supporting each other, being there for each other, and it was a great, exciting meet, especially on the road. I mean, there's no telling what the judges are going to do, what the scoring is going to be like on the road. So for us to go in there and break three records in one meet, great. <laughs> yeah, and and I think everybody around the gymnastics world took note of all the different records you were setting or at least close to program bests in some cases. It, is it safe to say that when there's a group of gymnasts that's on a roll, you can kind of feel that a little bit? Because it seems like that's what you've been doing here towards the end of the month of February. Definitely. So in the gym, we just work on like going with the flow and like not being so caught up in what's happening with other teams. So just for us to settle in our bubble and you can definitely feel the energy from your teammates I mean there's definitely something there when everybody's on the same page and so for us to go in there and break a record like that it was so fun is it almost like you you feel because at the end of the day when you're out there it's it's just you that's getting judged and getting scored but you you talked about the team dynamic especially at the college level is it more gosh I don't want to let my my teammates and my friends down or is it just you're, you're just flowing off of that momentum from everyone else yes definitely going after someone who puts up a high score and definitely hits is exciting and so when it's your turn to go up there you're like oh I can do this too because they already set the bar and so for us to go out there and just have fun honestly sometimes you forget that you're even competing because we're having so much fun out there is that where it started for you in gymnastics way back when was it just something fun to do or was it always something that you kind of knew I can compete and be good at this level and the next one as you were growing up so when I started gymnastics I was eight years old my first competition season was when I was eight, and that's pretty late for some gymnasts. And so when I started, I was just having fun. I mean, I went to a birthday party, and that's what actually got me into the sport of gymnastics. So I actually hadn't even heard about it before. I didn't know. But after that birthday party, I was like, this is something that I can get my energy out on. <laughs> Were you one of those crazy kids before that who was, like, jumping off the roof and things like that? I sure was. That dining room table and that lamp didn't last so long. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, like, how, how does that have to be handled? right? You, you, you go to mom and dad and say, well, I went to the birthday party and I really liked it. Oh, and also, I promise I won't jump off the dining room table if you can get me in the gym. Is like there a negotiation going on there at eight years old? Definitely. My parents were all in for it. They were like, if we can save a lamp and save a dining room table, it's set. You're going in. <laughs> so home, Hillsboro, New Jersey for you. You were telling me it's about an hour's drive south of New York City. So how did you end up going from there to Mizzou in Columbia, Missouri? Definitely. So I I remember uh, Shannon and the coaching staff were really adamant about recruiting me. They always called me, always came to the gym to watch me. And I remember coming on my visit and I absolutely loved the campus. I mean, Columbia is a college town. And when I got here, I really felt that. And I was like, this is where I want to be. Yeah. And, you know, everybody's drawn to different places for different reasons. But that that community and kind of 
the smaller town feel that sometimes Columbia can have. It, it's just interesting to hear that that's something that appealed to you being from, you know, a more major metro area. Was that just for a change of pace or was it something you always had in your mind that would be interesting to you when you took your college career? So when I came on the visit, I definitely noticed it was something different and I was up for the challenge. I was like, let me see how this works out. And I'm here and I love it. <laughs> what was the biggest adjustment for you, though, going from New Jersey and kind of the greater New York area to a, a smaller locale like Columbia? Yeah, so I would say it's a little more slow paced. Also, the people here are much nicer. <laughs> I mean, I'm walking down the street. I was with my mom one day when she came for a meet and there were these ladies and they were like, hey, how you doing? And we're like, good. How are you? I mean, you would never really get that from where I'm from. People are just like kind of in their own bubble doing their own thing. So that was actually really nice. You, you don't have to say to anybody in Columbia, I'm walking here. Like that's a part of the vernacular if you're <laughs> walking around in the New York metro. Right, right. <laughs> uh, is this, you know, you mentioned the, the program record score against Arkansas. Before that, you weren't too far behind that against Auburn with a 19745. Is Do you feel like this Tiger team collectively is just coming together at the right time with the SEC championships just around the corner? I would definitely say so. I mean, we peaked at the right time. I know a lot of teams had that high NQS earlier in the season, but for us, we're just going at our own pace. And even last year, like one of our common goals was just to play on our own terms, you know, play on our own book and things like that. So not worrying about what the other team is doing. And it's definitely coming along for us. You know, that that happened in the middle of last season because the beam queens that you guys are known as now and with all the consistency on that apparatus at the middle of last season, you weren't getting the results that you wanted. And everybody kind of sat down and said, hey, we know we're better than this. We can take it to another level. And you did. And it's helped carry you now through these fantastic, you know, stretch of meets for a season and a half. How how do you decide on something like that as a team? Because each individual has their own skills to work on. But at the same time, there was clearly an effort from a team perspective to take that and make it into a plus for you guys. And it happened with flying colors. Yes. So in the gym, we really work on focusing on our cues and being all into what we're doing in the moment. And when you have your teammates who go up before you and do well, it's easier for you to just not be so stressed and tense knowing that the person before me did it so I can do it too. And I think when you come together collectively as a team, it looks so much better rather than just one person hitting. You know, it's at the end of the day, it's about the team. And if one person does well, but the team doesn't do well, it's not so much as important. So I think for our team to come together collectively and hit, it's so much fun to watch. When you talk about your cues, when it comes to a four inch beam and failure is very obvious when it comes to that, you're either on or you're off. Describe a little bit more what you mean in the course of a routine on the beam or, or any apparatus how you work it through in your mind to accomplish what you've set out to do. So we have these mental routines that we have in our heads, just words and things that we try to remember to help us through the skill. And we practice these things in practice so that when we go to the meet, it's just natural, second nature, things that we do. So again, a, a four inch beam. So we're not talking about a very big target when you're doing flips and other stuff. I don't, I don't know how you guys do all this stuff. It, it's crazy to me. But when you first started out on the beam, what was that experience like? Were, were you like, like, are you serious? I'm supposed to be able to flip and land on a, a thing about this wide? <laughs> I can honestly say when I was younger, Beam was my favorite event. Okay. Like, I hopped on there and I was like, this is kind of cool. And then watching other girls at the gym do 
things and skills on the beam, I was like, you know what? Maybe I can try this too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've talked a lot about that. Let's talk about vault because you have your perfect 10 in the bag, high scores throughout. Can you best describe for us who have no idea what we're looking at other than that looks really hard and she stuck it, what you're specifically trying to do in those 10, 12 seconds, and especially throughout all of the twists and turns you have to make to get it to where you land that thing? All right. So running down the vault runway, I mean, there's only but so much time in the vault, so not much can go through your head. But I do know that while I'm running through the runway, I'm just thinking about the round off, which is the entry into the vault, and then the back handspring trying to visually see things because that also helps. I know a lot of people like to spot the mat and then land. And so usually I look for things like specifically pinpoint so that I can do the vault. You've earned a 995 on the vault before you got that 10. And at the SEC championships last season, you were an All-American in the event in 2022. So it wasn't like this 10 came out of nowhere. But did you feel like that perfect 10 was was close and a possibility before you actually did it against Auburn? Yes, definitely. I mean, a lot of people have been telling me your 10 is coming soon. And so I was waiting for it. But that moment was such a great moment. I mean, I know that my vault personally is a good vault. It just has to be on in that one day, which I know I'm capable of, but am I capable of it in that moment? Yes. Am I going to do it in that moment? We'll see. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, being able to perform with regard to yourself, it, like you've mentioned, it's so important in the sport of gymnastics because in the end, you can't control what someone else sees. You can take your form and your shape and you could show it to five different people and there might be variance, but there is still variance. How, how do you control mentally as a competitor the focus on the process instead of the focus on the results? That is so true. I mean, I think it's so easy to get caught up in, I want to stick my vault, I want to get a 10, I want to be perfect. But at the end of the day, those aren't the things that are going to help you do that. So worrying about the little details, and gymnastics is very detail-oriented. So those details really come into play and are very important when you think about things like sticking a vault. And so when that all collectively comes together, it makes sense. Did it feel like it all came together on that perfect 10 vault, like as soon as you landed? When you hit the mat, did you feel like, man, I think I did it? Oh, for sure. I mean, I usually, when I vault and I do really well I have just this serious look on my face and even in pictures oh my gosh they blasted me on the from the floor to me because my face was so serious so after I landed that vault I was like I can smile and I smiled and I saluted the judge and I was like that was the one <laughs> <laughs> well and and fired up too I mean there is so much energy that comes into specifically the vault which is so explosive but uh, on all events I think that why fans are enamored and continuing to grow college gymnastics is because you guys leave the emotions out there. It is not a sport in which, oh, I've done my routine and here we are and I'm back to the side and this is serious business. I mean, there is there is joy and passion that shows in what you and your teammates do every time. Yeah, so after we finish, we're supposed to celebrate, you know, and even if it just doesn't change what the judge is thinking or doesn't change your score or anything like that, it still looks fun. And from an atmosphere like of fans watching, like they want to see us celebrate. They want to see us be happy and they're going to come back to meets to see the joy that we bring. Well, and you mentioned that atmosphere, and that was a historic day against Auburn. I mean, you beat the number five team in the country, program record in terms of attendance, more than 6,000 people at the Hearn Center. I mean, you you beat a team that had the, a freaking Olympic gold medalist on it in, in SUNY 
Anthony Lee. So just just take us back to that day. What what was that whole experience like in the, a packed Hearn Center that day? Well, I remember even last year coming in as a freshman, the Hearns, not many people came and it was just us and our parents and I loved it. I mean, hey, our parents are here supporting us. They're our number one fans. I'm here for it. But that night when we beat the attendance record to see all those people, I remember throughout the night, I kept looking up and I was like, people are behind the flags. Like we've never seen this before. And the attendance, like the Tiger fans, it really makes a difference. The crowd, just that extra support. I know I'm supposed to be doing my job regardless, but with the extra support and the Tiger fans, they're cheering me on and I know they want to see some cool stuff. So let me give it to them. (laughs) You know, on a loud scale, of 1 to 10 in places you've been and loud you've heard. The Hearns with even 6,000 people in it. Where does it rate? Oh, for sure, a 10. <laughs> I love the Hearns Center, but in general, I mean, I have been to Arrowhead for the Chiefs game, and that stadium gets pretty loud. But compared to the 6,000 fans that were just here against Auburn, man, that might have beat it. Yeah, pretty exciting stuff uh, for sure And that one. Also some exciting stuff. I wanted to ask you about the NCAA regional run last year because as a freshman, you were a key part of that team that finished fifth in the country and fans may recall in Raleigh in the regionals they are trailing UCLA entering the final rotation the floor you have to catch the Bruins to advance to nationals you knocked out a 995 personally to help the team advance so take us back there right before you're about to hit the floor what was going through your mind I'm guessing you had a pretty decent idea of what the stakes were at that point yeah so I knew we wanted to qualify because who doesn't but as, as far as scores I actually didn't know how close we were and and so when I was doing my floor routine, I was just doing what I do and not really worrying about what UCLA was doing. I had no idea that they weren't doing as well as they were doing on the beam, actually. So when Amari went, we were all standing there. I was ready to pack my things. We're like, okay, next next season, let's go. But And I was looking, and I was looking at the scores, and I was like, oh, my gosh, we're actually not that far off. And so my teammates were like, oh, we got this, we got this. I know Amari still had to go on the floor, and she hit, as she usually does, great. But I remember seeing the score, and I was like, oh, my goodness, we did. I really wish I could relive that moment. It was so great. Surreal. Well, and to come in as a freshman and have that, I mean, every team has the goal of, all right, let's advance to regionals and then let's advance to be part of the final eight. And you guys were able to accomplish that in a freshman year. It it had to be something in your mind when you came here, but to do it so soon and to do it so dramatically, I mean, how long did it take you to process that, like, here's where we are and, and we can really make a run at this thing? Yeah. So I remember coming in as a freshman and I was like, we had our goal. We wrote them on the board. We were like top eight in the NCAA. Like that was one of our goals. And so when we actually hit it, I was like, like, this is real life. Like we are capable of doing things like this. And I remember having my teammates and they were like, Jocelyn, you're so good. I'm so happy you're here to help us. And I was like, you know, that feeling from your team, like knowing that they see things in me too, like it feels really good. But just to know that we actually accomplished that is so amazing. How does that experience of of making it to the final eight, to the NCAA championships, how do you think that's going to help this year's team as you try to get back there. Right, and I think it's important because we know what we're capable of. We had nobody leave our team. Our seniors came back for a fifth year, so we have the same people plus some additions from last year, so it shows that we definitely have the team and the ability to do it. We just all have to come together and do it at the same time. Does it make it more 
I don't want to say difficult, but does it make it more intense in your preparation to know that you have a team that has increased its depth from a team last year that was fifth in the country to this season? I mean, everybody's going to earn their opportunities, right? But in the lead up even to this campaign, there's nothing given when you're on a squad that is as deep as yours is. Yes, and that's one thing Shannon has been harping on, like the depth, meaning the amount of people that are able to compete in that lineup. And that's one thing that's really important. Like we're competing against other teams, but it's also important to have competitiveness inside the gym to push each other to keep going and to keep striving to be that better gymnast. Because at the end of the day, we want to be the best team possible. And so with that competition inside the gym, it really helps everybody just to be on their best game. What was it about Coach Shannon Welker that convinced you that Mizzou was the right place to be for you? He was. (laughs) Shannon is a jokester. He's a really (laughs) great person to be around, honestly. And I never feel any sort of malice or anything coming from Shannon because it's just it's the respect and the cohesiveness we have together. He's a really great coach and he knows how to work with specific athletes, which I love. Well, there's got to be a level of trust there, right, too. I mean, to to be encouraging and saying, hey, you're going to hit this the next time. This is what we see together that we're capable of. Uh, It's not that way necessarily everywhere in the sport of gymnastics, but it sounds like it's something that really works for you and your group. Yes, sometimes I think Shannon is a psychic, honestly. (laughs) He says one thing, the next week it happens. I'm like, but he has that vision and he can really see what his gymnasts are capable of. And he knows because sometimes for yourself, it's hard to see that because you are yourself. But from an outside perspective, like he's really good at telling you and believing in you and showing what you can do. The the floor routine, I think, is what a lot of people think of primarily when they they think of gymnastics and you're going out there and, and you're doing your thing. Can you walk us through how do you decide, you know, the the order of the moves that you're going to do? How do you decide your routine? And then I guess most importantly, how do you pick the music for the routine, right? <laughs> yeah, so going into meets, I mean, on on the road, we look at the floor, try to picture it as if we would picture it inside the gym or inside Hearns just to get a visual. And then we usually pick where our team is going to stand because mm-hmm. we love the energy and the support from mm-hmm. our teammates. So we usually do that. And then I make sure that I'm dancing towards the crowd in different areas so that the crowd can also enjoy my floor routine too. And picking music for gymnastics, honestly, is a process. It, it seems easy sometimes, but you really have to listen for things you like because who wants to perform a floor routine to music they don't really like? And so that's not always fun. And I try to get something with a lot of beats and movement so that I can really get the crowd involved in my team and have fun. Well, and, and floor is the one discipline in which personality makes a big difference. Like, it, it, even if it is, you know, a couple thousandths of a point, I mean, in the end of the day, they all stack up. How do you work in being serious about the technical skill that you are putting on the floor, but also letting your personality shine through in choreo and all the rest? So with the practice in the gym, it makes you a lot more confident in what you're doing for your skills. So when you do go to the competitions, you really can just put on a show and have fun. So that in the back of your mind, you know that you can hit a floor routine. So now it's just time to show everybody what you can do. So you mentioned that you are looking for where the crowd's going to be during a floor routine. So are you tweaking? So you're, you're tweaking your floor routine a little bit, depending on what venue you're in? Yes. So when you usually the judges are sitting they're sit, there's two judges. So they're sitting on each side of the floor. And so sometimes you try to manipulate where you're going in a sense, just so that you can get the best score. I mean, play by your own terms. And so what I mean by that is looking at the judge or finding a spot to make them feel involved in your routine as well. So if they're sitting there and they enjoy it. I mean, they're going to give you a better score because they were having fun too. <laughs> yeah. And you know, there's, there's so much that goes into the thought of that when it comes to how you choreograph it, how 
how you match it to the music that seems to be very involved. How long does it take from when you set out, okay, here are the skills I want to achieve, here here are the passes I want to take, um, from the start of thinking through that to actually getting it together where you're like, all right, this is ready to go to competition. How long does that process take? So definitely I would say about maybe two hours. And so the choreographer, what she does, she tries to find the best things that fit you personally. And so you usually say, this is where I want to do my pass because we do have an option to, we know what passes we're doing, just where we're going to do them and how they're going to be portrayed and flow into the choreography nicely. So the choreography does a great job doing that. All right. Last, last question for me. What are some of the keys as the, as the calendar flips to March, starting with Alabama, again, the SEC championships looming, NCAAs after that. What do you think are the uh, biggest keys for your team to get back where you were last year, top five in the country and beyond, hopefully? Yeah, definitely. Like I mentioned earlier, focusing on our cues and our mental routines and the little details that go into it. Like we at Arkansas, I didn't even know our score. We had beat the program record. We were just doing our own gymnastics. Score popped up and I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> but in general, just playing by our own terms, focusing on our team only, supporting each other and having fun. So um, one, nine, seven, eight, eight, five, nine. I mean, can you set the bar even higher? I mean, a one, nine, eight is within reach when you see something like that. And it takes all six who do it to get there. But is, is that a type of night that's in the Missouri Tigers? Oh, for sure. I mean, we were only 0.15 from a 198. And mm-hmm. before that, I mean, our record was a 196.675 or something, I believe, against Florida last year. So just to know that we can keep increasing and we have the ability to do it. So I think it's definitely there. Well, there are two more chances in the regular season and they are coming up both at the Hearns. At 6 on Friday night, March the 3rd, it's a pink out against Alabama, so wear your pink. We know that the Tigers will be. And then uh, three come in on March the 10th. It'll be a 6 p.m. start. SEMO, North Carolina, and Ball State. And then the SEC championships are coming up and it will be a ton of fun as we get into March and beyond for Mizzou Gymnastics. Jocelyn Moore, thank you so much for the time. Congratulations on your success, the success of the team. We're so excited to see it. Can't wait to see what the rest of this season holds for you. Thank you so much, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Z-O-U. That's Jocelyn Moore. Brad and I will be back with some more fun after you hear from our friends at Shelter Insurance. A shield against the elements. Comfort in the midst of chaos. Shelter in the aftermath of destruction. For 75 years, Shelter Insurance has remained true to our promise to be there when you need us most. This is the heartbeat of our company, our why. And throughout our history, it has never wavered. Shelter Insurance. For your auto, home, and life. We're your shield. We're your shelter. And the podcast is also powered by Raceline with over 30 years of turnkey project execution. Raceline is an industry leader in engineering, manufacturing, and installation of modular process systems. The Click Vroom leaders in March as we march toward the third month of 2023, which yes. personally, as a baseball, as a basketball guy, that is my favorite month. Well, I, I understand that, indeed. Yeah. And and it will be Mizzou men's basketball's favorite month, too, because um, I'm telling you, folks, they're going to be playing in it deeper than in previous years. Uh, after that win on the road at Georgia on Saturday, where the Tigers didn't play well for about a half and then played really well for about 18 minutes, <laughs> um, that was the type of game that good teams win against not as good teams. 85-63 was the final. It was a closer game for longer than that indicated, which just tells you that the black and gold 
they're going to be in. All right. I have them personally as in the NCAA tournament. Now, people may quibble with that. They can leave no doubt if they win on Wednesday night with an 8 p.m. tip-off against LSU. If they win that home finale on March the 4th at Mizzou Arena with a tip time of 2.30, they'll remove all doubt if they win those two or even one of those two, I think, to most people. But I got them in because you don't have teams that go out and rack up the quad one wins that they have. I know what some of the metrics say. I know what the net says. I don't care what it says. This is a team that has shown it can beat anyone in the nation. And in my view, a team that's shown they can do that several times is a team that belongs in and will be in in the NCAA dance in March. Well, not only have they proven they can beat pretty much anybody in the country, they've also avoided any bad losses. And that would be, I guess, the key coming up here because LSU or Ole Miss, they've both struggled this year. So either of those would be a bad loss. Theoretically, if you're playing the the 10th place team or whatever it would end up being in the SEC tournament, that could be a bad loss, too. So if you were to lose to pick up three bad losses in succession right at the end, then maybe that could be a possibility. But still, Mizzou's sitting at 21 wins. They're going to have at least a 500 SEC record and a, a really impressive showing at Georgia on Saturday. Mizzou was down at halftime and won by 22 points yeah. on on the road. I mean, and it was, you know, a tremendous shooting day from the outside, 14 of 28 from three. It was a variety of people that were hitting the shots. I mean, your best player, Kobe Brown, only scores eight, and your team still puts up 85. I think it speaks to the variety of offensive options that Coach Dennis Gates has at his disposal. And Mizzou still has things to chase. I mean, obviously, like you mentioned, you want to remove any doubt that you're going to be an NCAA tournament team. That's tops. But also, Mizzou has a real shot at the four seed. They're tied for fifth right now, and their schedule is more favorable than the teams ahead of them in this final week of the regular season in men's hoops. So there's a real opportunity to get to that top four spot, lock up a double bye, and put yourself in a position where you don't even have to play in the SEC tournament until Friday. Yeah, and when you're in the double bye, you've got designs on winning the whole shooting match. Oh, sure. And and we have seen in the league that Missouri is capable of doing that. I'd say the tough the toughest assignment for anybody would be Alabama, which may be 1-1 by the time the whole thing is done in terms of what the Crimson Tide have done. But you also think of it this way. Mizzou played Alabama without Kobe Brown. And that just changes the calculus so drastically that you can't say going into a potential matchup down the road, if that was one to take place, that Missouri wouldn't be capable. I mean, on the right day, Missouri is capable of even knocking off 1-1. It doesn't mean you should expect it or predict it, but it's within the realm of possibility for this veteran group that has won in just about every way imaginable throughout the course of the year. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't think Mizzou has, has made it to the weekend yet in an SEC tournament, has not played on a Saturday, let alone a Sunday. No. So you, you've got an opportunity to at a minimum check that box and obviously it's a lot easier when you only have to win one game to get to Saturday as opposed to winning two games. It, it is a massive difference and we've seen it across all the sports that have those double buys or those entries into the later rounds. You just get so much of an easier ride and so much of a benefit based on what you did in the regular season and there's still a lot to be said. You'd need some help to get there but it's a possibility to get there so we might as well hang on to the possibility while it's hot. Um, uh, speaking of hot the diamonds are hot for the black and gold they're going. I know Mizzou dropped a couple 
Mizzou softball, that is, at the Mary Nutter Classic in, you know, in a fashion that will leave a poor taste in their mouths, to be quite honest. Dropped one very late to Oregon, um, dropped one really at the death to Oregon State, but they came away three and two a winning weekend. They're 12-4 and four overall. They'll be heading to Stillwater, Oklahoma this coming weekend for some matchups against uh, Tulsa, Maine, and big one against Oklahoma State. That is a top five ranked team right now in the Cowgirls, and so we will find out again if Mizzou has a chance to get another ranked win in the bag as well as take care of some business there. I mean, they could very easily leave that with a very healthy mark that will show up at the end of the season in RPI, which is what all of this blitz in February and March is about for the softball. Well, it's about that, and it's also about just getting reps on actual dirt. You know, we had Coach Larissa Anderson on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and she was talking about how they basically had not gotten a chance to practice softball on dirt yet. And that seems important. I'm not a softball alum, but that seems like an important thing to be able to get reps on dirt. So they've gotten those opportunities and they're at 12 and four. And again, with the the disadvantage of being in a colder weather climate situation, you got to think that they're going to just continue to get better and better as they get used more and more to to playing outside and practicing outside and playing games outside. So I I think, like you said, they're not where they would, would want to be ideally at the absolute top of the heap. But sitting at 12 and four right now, I don't think that's bad at all. A 750 winning percentage is really good. Sure, exactly. And it's not going to stay that way throughout the whole SEC season. It seemed extremely unlikely just because the SEC is a meat grinder. But that means you rack up your non-conference wins now and then you duke it out and see where you land in the Southeastern Conference. They're in good shape. They're fine. Uh, you know, it stinks to lose ball games late. That's what happens. Uh, you know, Mizzou baseball went through its road trip and boy, uh, are the Tigers' arms tired getting back in um, in the wee small hours from uh, from Florida. But they're broadcasters too. Yeah, the, the, some some of us have slept <laughs> a little bit more than others on the podcast today. But uh, five and two coming out of that trip with two winning weekends, and I think that that's the important thing. I think that there are folks in the college baseball world who would have said, "Yeah, Missouri could go five and two on their season opening road trip," and they would have said the Tigers would take a game because that's how baseball works at the college baseball showdown and they would have had a chance to sweep Florida International which has a first year head coach and a lot of unknowns around that team. Well what the Tigers did instead was win in both weekends, a 2 and 1 weekend in their first, a 3 and 1 weekend despite dropping the opener on Thursday in a 4-3 tightly played contest. They win the final 3 games of that series in in pretty convincing fashion in the final 2 as well when the pitching started to draw a little bit more thin and the Tigers are 5 and 2 with a head of steam and now it's their opportunity to try to rack up the non-conference wins because with no disrespect intended to Lindenwood a first year division 1 program as the home opener on Tuesday afternoon uh, is not the same competition as the Tigers have been facing here recently it's baseball anything can happen but it's not the same competition Texas Southern will be in that same mode for three games in an opening weekend at Taylor Stadium over March 3rd 4th and 5th then you get into you know, again, more non-cons here in the midweek, about one midweek, and then uh, going to NJIT, which I think is going to be a sneaky good series for four games the weekend after. Um, if the Tigers can continue to make winning weekends out of all of it and take care of business in the midweek, as they usually have, Mizzou baseball will be very well positioned when it comes to SEC play. But this is a long three-weekend homestand. It's a chance to get right. It's a chance to get fat in the standings, and hopefully the Tigers have enough to pull it off. So far, they've won games like the softball team.
team, like the men's basketball team, and just about every way you can hope for through seven games. So it's very exciting to see where that can take them as they go forward. And hopefully Mother Nature cooperates over the next few weeks, as we know, in in mid-Missouri, late February, mid-March to mid-March can sometimes be challenging weather-wise, but you know, just getting getting games in. That's one of the unique things about both college baseball and college softball is just getting games sometimes can, can be so valuable, and, and hopefully that's the case for the Tigers, who, like you said, got off to a really nice start. Fun fact, there is one pitching staff in the Southeastern Conference that through two weekends of play has not allowed a home run. <laughs> And it's in Columbia, Missouri. Very nice. And it's not like you guys are, it's not like baseball's playing games in super cold weather that makes it, batters not want to swing. I mean, you were playing in Miami and, and you know, indoors, I believe, in Arlington, right? Active so. environments against certainly physical teams the first weekend. I mean, everybody came away oohed and odd with TCU and, and Arkansas, although the Tigers wouldn't have to play Arkansas. You know, TCU, Texas considered a physical team. Oklahoma State considered a physical power sort of team. No balls left the yard against the Tiger pitching staff there. There have been a few doubles. There have been. There have been some runs scored because the Tiger pitching needs to cut down on its free passes just a little bit. But even if it hasn't been perfect, 5-2 and two is really strong. It's been a strong start on the Diamonds for both of Missouri's teams. And yeah, that home opener is coming up for the baseball team on uh, Tuesday the 28th against Lindenwood. Saw some signs flashing around about that. Uh, not sure exactly when the pod will drop. So if you missed it, you missed out because there's supposed to be a 6 as the first number of the high temperature on Tuesday. And if it's 60 degrees at Taylor Stadium, you better be there if it's in February. Heck That's yeah. all I got to say. Heck yeah, man. Enjoy it. Yeah. So um, that is going along swimmingly. Um, what else? The women's golf team in action again. Um, kind of upping the level of competition uh, over the past weekend, but still going strong. Yeah, as we're recording this, they're still in the uh, the Westbrook uh, event over in Arizona, so mm-hmm. we don't we don't have the results on that one. Uh, women's basketball wrapped up their regular season at home, lost to Florida 61-52. Tigers 17 and 12 overall, finished 6-10 in the SEC. So they're going to they're going to go to Greenville needing to win four games in four days. Now, last year's champion Kentucky was able to do that mm-hmm. as a seven seed won four games in four days to secure an automatic spot so it is a possibility you know the Tigers will go in as the nine seed they're probably going to have to beat four teams that beat them in the regular season so it's obviously a a challenging uphill task for the Tigers but it's something that was just accomplished last year so it it is a a possibility to perhaps finish strong it it would start with the Razorbacks on Thursday at 11 a.m. Central you win that game you get the undefeated South Carolina Gamecocks on Friday at 11 a.m. Central Time again. So a a challenging road. Tigers will look to uh, play it at at a higher level come March. Yeah, and uh, you will, of course, hear those matchups across your Central Bank Tiger Network Mm -hmm. stations who carry Mizzou women's basketball. Um, uh, The Big 12 championships this weekend. Let us not forget that Brian Smith's wrestling team is going into it. And I know the Big 12 regular season dual stuff doesn't mean a lot because of this conference being so spread out and you don't get to wrestle everybody. But you can make an argument that the Tigers, if there was a regular season dual championship, won it with the way things worked out in the round robin of who beat who. Um, And they get to prove it now. They get to try to qualify as many as they possibly can into the NCAA tournament. Uh, I would expect by the time it's all done, that number will be 9 or 10, as it usually has been for Brian Smith and company. The Big 12, I feel like, has had a strong year to get a bunch of those qualifying spots into the NCAAs. And then uh, even beyond that, you know, the men's golf team's going to be taking part 
in uh, Beaufort, South Carolina in the early part of next week. Uh, the zone diving championships will be going on for uh, the diving teams. You know, it's it's nuts. NCAA indoors are around the corner in Albuquerque. We we don't have time to keep track of it all. <laughs> well, speaking of the indoors, the, the SEC indoors were this past weekend, mm-hmm. and our friend Roberto Vilchez, who we've talked to in here before with, he finished second in the high jump, so he was the, the top individual for Mizzou. Congratulations to him. You mentioned wrestling. It's been more than a decade since Mizzou has not won a conference tournament in wrestling. It's yeah. been a it's been a variety of conferences, but still, that, that streak is something else that's on the line. I'd agree with you, though. The primary thing is qualifying as many people as you can for NCAAs, but if you can pick up yet another conference tournament title, I'm sure you'd take that also. I think that one goes in hand with the other, considering the competition. Yeah, that's if fair. You get them all, if you get them all up there, and, and you're really looking at top two or top three in every weight class, which I think is capable, if you do that, you've probably done enough to take the conference title. Yeah, and of course, gymnastics. We touched on it a little bit already when we were talking with Jocelyn more earlier, but 14th-ranked Mizzou Gymnastics hosting 8th-ranked Alabama on Friday. That's the last SEC home meet for the Tigers. We talked about their their high meet score, their program record score. There are only 10 teams in the country that have posted one score better than that. Alabama is one of them, so it should be a really high-level SEC gymnastics meet coming up at the Hearns on Friday. We'll see if it's another high-scoring event, because I tell you what, Mizzou could use more high-scoring events. They're ranked 14th this week, but if all of a sudden these last two events, plus the SEC championship, are all that 197.5, let's say, and higher, which we now know is certainly within the realm of possibility, you start to talk about Mizzou as a potential host for a regional. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely out there if the Tigers can make some big posted scores here at the end of the season. So we'll see if that's something that can shake out. Uh, we're all done shaking out for the podcast today. Thanks so much to Jocelyn Moore for joining us. A great conversation with her. And thanks to Steve Sowers for his great production as always. He's Brad Tronago and I'm Matt Michaels. We're out of time. We'll see you next time here on the Inside Mizzou Athletics Podcast. This has been Inside Mizzou Athletics with Matt Michaels and Brad Trinago. Brought to you by Shelter Insurance. Find an agent for your auto, home, and life at shelterinsurance.com. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Central Bank Tiger Network.